0: It's episode 73 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. On this edition, find out who's representing Cincinnati and Dayton for the football state title games. Find out your local college and NFL scores. It's time to introduce the state of the rink for this 2018-19 season of high school hockey. Also... Much more delivered to you on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. This is the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit the com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from Podsummit.com slash free music. Here's your host, Lee W Mowen. As much as I keep saying in the past few weeks, no, Thursday episodes are not going to be the norm. I apologize for another late addition to this podcast, but let's jump into Week 14 High School Football Scores. Right off the bat, for Division I, Colerain defeats Pickerington Central 28-14. In Division Two, Winton Woods falls to Massillon, Washington 41-20. In Division Three, Alter defeats Norwalk 34-13. Division 4, Wyoming 35, St. Mary's 14. Division 5, last week, Wheelersburg took down Middletown Madison. And this week, Johnstown Monroe returns the favor as the Johnnies defeat Wheelersburg 32-14. Division 6, Marion Local 34, Seneca East 6. And Division 7, Fort Loramie's Trail ends here with a 28-14 to defeat in the hands of McComb. That leaves one state champ left from last season. Division 6 is Marion Local, and this week's games determine who gets runner-up trophies and who gets a state championship. Today, this Thursday, you have Archbishop Hoban taking on Massillon Washington in D2. Tomorrow, Friday, you'll have Colerain and St. Edward for Division 1. Division 3 is Alter and Kenston. And Division 6 is Kirkland taking on the Marion Local Flyers. Tomorrow for Division Four, it's Wyoming versus Gerard. And also Johnstown Monroe versus Orville for Division Five. And then you have Macomb versus Trimble for Division Seven. That's your state football championships, all of them happening at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. What a treat that must be to get to play a state title game at the Hall of Fame Stadium, the birthplace of the National Football League. I know some people would rather have it in Columbus, which is fine. I mean, Ohio Stadium, home of the Buckeyes, I get that. But I don't know. I don't know which one I prefer. That's a topic that has been popping up lately. Would you rather have it in Canton or Columbus? In terms of distance, I know Southwest Ohio probably put on Columbus. In terms of facilities, I don't know. I've never been to either of them. The closest I've been to Ohio Stadium is... What is it, Lincoln Park Field? That little rec field where Ohio State's club football plays? We called a game for Wright State football my last quarter at Wright State. That was a cold night. Brrrr. But a lot of fun because the Raiders won. I don't know. I don't know what I would prefer. All I know is it's an honor to get to play either place for a state title. Your college scores look like this. Two teams finish off the regular season as the Bearcats on senior day stomp East Carolina and the Pirates 56-6. That will give the Bearcats a 10-2 overall record and 6-2 record in the AAC. And then you have Miami 42 Ball State 21. And that'll give the Red Hawks their needed sixth win to play in a bowl. Red Hawks finish 6-6 and 6-2 in MAC play. NFL scores, round number one of the Battle of Ohio, and it goes to Cleveland, 35-20. to 20. At one point, the Browns were up 28 to nothing, for the Bengals got a touchdown to end the half. Baker Mayfield, he was just named November's Rookie of the Month for NFL. He threw for four touchdowns and 258 yards with zero picks. Andy Dalton on the other side, he got hurt, I believe the third quarter. He threw for 100 yards with a touchdown and one interception. He gave way to Driscoll, who threw for 155 yards, one touchdown, and no interceptions. I got to listen to a smidgen of the game, the Bengals' last offensive possession, and when the color commentator, Dave Lapham, spells out a cuss word saying that payback is going to be, yeah, you can probably figure out which one that is, uh, he wasn't too happy. The Browns came in, and what can I say? They took over. Cleveland's squad, I mean, 4-6-1, and one. they have the same record as Green Bay. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that either, but Cleveland's looking quite strong. And hats off go to the Browns. Now you have the whole spiel of who you going to hire as next year's head coach. There is no way you can let Greg Williams walk. If it's head coaching job or if it's giving him back the defensive coordinator role, you have to keep Greg Williams on this Cleveland squad head coach wise it's a PR stunt let's be honest but Condoleezza Rice's name you know the former Secretary of State under George W. Bush she was mentioned happens to be a big sports fan happens to be on one of the committees that are trying to get rid of the one and duns, which that's pretty cool but as a head coach in the NFL I'm not sure I want to see more women as coaches. I want to see women in sports, not be, oh, you're a woman in sports. I don't want to see it as a taboo thing. I want to see more women in sports. It needs to be an equal partnership of men and women in sports. That's what I want, but enough about my opinion on that. I Bruce Arian said that he'd come out of retirement for the Browns and only the Browns, so there is that arrow But I'm not sure where Cleveland's going to point out, but I think the Browns are on the up-and-up head and shoulders over the Bengals at this point. I mean, at least Cincinnati didn't give up 400 yards again. Or did they? Actually, I don't know, and I don't care to look. But I, I feel like the Bengals have to look outside the box. And not just look outside the box. Throw the box away. Throw it in the dumpster. Burn it. Get rid of the box. If you want this Bengals team to be successful, I feel like a restart is in order. And I hate seeing people lose their jobs. I don't like seeing it, but sometimes it has to happen. And Marvin Lewis has done his role in Cincinnati. He turned the Bengals around and got them out of that horrible era from 1991 until, we can say, 2004 they went 8-8. I guess we can say that. It's a lot better than that 2002 season. Ugh. But at the same time, I mean, something has to be done. And now you don't have your quarterback in Andy Dalton. He's out for the year with that injury. I think it was a sprained thumb. So he's out for the next five regular season games. And Jeff Driscoll is probably going to be the man taking over. Tom Savage is now his backup. Remember him taking over for Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans. Driscoll played well against the Browns. Like I mentioned, 155 yards, one touchdown, and a little under a half. I mean, that's not bad. Let's see what he has for the next game. But in the hunt, the Browns 4-6-1, the Bengals 5-6. I laugh at saying the Bengals are in the hunt. There has to be a complete 180 to change my mind on that. I mean, you still have a game at Cleveland who just put up 35 points on your defense at home, and then you got the Steelers, a game that you could have won and didn't. You had it in the bag, and then Pittsburgh drives it the other way to win. You got the home-and-home with home Baltimore done. You got road games of the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, like I mentioned, you're going to need a little help. Uh, call me a pessimist if you want. I'm not seeing it happening this year. I hate saying it because it was so promising. Five and two, and then... Also, I realized that the Bengals did go winless in November. (laughs) You know, there's a no-shave November or that other thing which won't be mentioned on this podcast. There's the no-win November, and the Bengals have accomplished it. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars did too, so, you know, there's that. So, yeah. First round of the Battle of Ohio, Cleveland 35, Cincinnati 20. Also in the NFL, Denver defeats Pittsburgh 24-17. I believe the Steelers had a chance to tie it up late, but a red zone interception kind of squashed that. And Indianapolis 27, Miami 24. Colts are looking much better, too. You got a healthy Andrew Luck. Offensive line's actually protecting him and not just letting him get eaten alive by defense. Indianapolis looking pretty sharp, although they did lose tight end Jack Doyle, which he was a big part of the big part of the Colts offense so will that really hurt or not we'll see, but that's still a big loss for Indy. Frank Reich, he's making this Colts team pretty good. So we'll see how things go along with Indianapolis. Pittsburgh, I feel, driver C of the NFC North. And I'm kind of happy that James Conner now has full control as the uh, running back one. I say that not just because Conner was the first guy I picked up right after the draft ended. Like, literally, I woke up after the draft and it's like, ooh, James Conner available on the waiver wire. Pick. So, yeah, Conner's been helping me roll pretty good on my fantasy football team, but also the whole issue with Le'Veon Bell wanting quarterback money, and you set out the whole season for what? You lost all that money, and now you're probably going to trade it. I I don't know the reason why I'm not Le'Veon Bell, as you might have known by now, but there we go. Now it's time to talk about the 2018 Frozen Creek Tournament. That is the hockey tournament hosted by the Beaver Creek Beavers in the second week of the regular season. Local hockey. Four of the six teams hail from Cincinnati and Dayton, and the other two from Oregon, Ohio, Clay High School, and from Central Kentucky, Lexington, and the Thoroughbreds. Six great teams, six great uh, group of kids, and for championship It is Clay 5, Beaver Creek 2, and the Eagles are the first team to win back-to-back Frozen Creek titles since 2003 and 2004 when the Troy Trojans done it for a second time. For third place, the Troy Trojans defeat Lexington 5-2, and for fifth place, LaSalle defeats Mason and OT 2-1. In that previous matchup, LaSalle beats Mason 6-2. I had a blast calling all 12 games that Sunday, championship Sunday, I lost my voice, so all goal, cal- all goal calls are scratchy, and yeah, my voice didn't hold up like it normally does for 12 games, but it was a lot of fun. I got to see Troy, which is a common opponent during the year, Beaver Creek. I got to see LaSalle and Mason, which those four squads I mentioned will come across Centerville some way or another. Like I mentioned great kids, great coaching staff, great people very appreciative of how I was treated uh, Beaver Creek beavers hooked me up with uh, camera people for most of the games uh, because on Friday I had to do it myself I was like oh yeah um, doing camera and commentary at the same time isn't the greatest thing and probably leaning the camera over the railing try to find you know the people on the near side of the boards probably wasn't the best but hey you do what you can do as a guy trying to get the broadcast working no problems with streaming all the games that was a lot of uh, that was a load of relief and like I mentioned great people LaSalle's head coach Murray Holland and the Lancers all writ me a thank you note for my commentary I appreciate that coach Greg Guterman of the Beavers hooked me up with nice uh, gift package Uh, Beaver Creek Beavers t-shirt, which I did not share on social media because I was wearing it and I was cold. Literally, once I got the t-shirt, I was like, yep, this is going on me because I'm cold. Uh, I love the Kettering Ice Arena. I love the view from the crow's nest and luckily, in my few years calling hockey there, I've not been struck in the face with a puck. So, here's hoping that continues on. I... I was very happy with doing the Frozen Creek tournament. Like I mentioned, Beaver Creek fell in the championship game. that went 3-0 and before by taking down LaSalle, Lexington, and Troy. But Clay's squad, man, that team's impressive. The Eagles have a couple speedy forwards. One's Cam Menchaca, and that guy's slap shot, I was hearing some of the coaches talk, is almost NHL quality, which... That kid can shoot the puck. He's very quick too, and also they had another forward, uh, Gerard Van Hurst said he had a great tournament as well. There was a game where both forwards combined scored 8 of the 10 goals, and it was impressive. I mean, Clay's team, very, very good. Like I mentioned, Northwest Ohio. So the Eagles, you know, representing that area. We had Lexington. It's a... It's from the Central Kentucky Youth Hockey Organization. It's the same people that hooked me up for the Kentucky High School hockey tournament in Lexington last spring and this upcoming year will be in Louisville, Kentucky. I can't wait for that. It's it's great. It's local hockey to me is some of the best hockey. And it might not be wins losses or what have you. Like I mentioned throughout history in the state of Ohio there's only one school to win a state champ not on the northern portion of the state and that's Centerville back in 1979. There has been no Capital Hockey Conference team to win state. Closest last year was Dublin Jerome in the state semis and they got hammered 6-1. to one. I mean, this is part of the state of the rink that I'm going through. If only I could make my own music I'd be I'd have a cool news theme like state of the rink or something. But I feel that hockey in Southwest Ohio is the toughest sport to play. And I'm going to explain why. Of course hockey is a great sport. You need a lot of physicality, need a lot of strength, need to be able to skate and control the puck, and then you got shots. Goalies have to stay in the net protect their net, protect their team, hockey is probably the toughest sport to play. And I'm not discrediting football. I'm not discrediting any sport. That's not why I'm here. I haven't met a sport that I haven't liked. So there we go. I just feel that hockey in Southwest Ohio is the toughest sport to play because of the fact that, name me one team that has their rink. I'll wait. I'll wait. Time's up. Okay. Uh, That would be none because no such arena exists. For other high school sports, it's at the high school or middle school in some cases. Valley View's football field is right behind, oh, God, now their elementary school. I forgot the middle school moved to Farmersville. I I still can't believe that. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. It's on campus somewhere. Sometimes it's on the other end of town, like Middletown's Barnett Stadium, which is another point I'll bring up a little bit later because there is news about another new facility for the Middies. It's somewhere close to school. And if it's not, you have something that you can practice on. You have a practice field. You have something to go work out. For hockey, not so much. I mean, you could tell me, but if you freeze like that pond out there in your in your yard, you can skate. Not really. You know how hockey ice has to be thick? It's got to be pretty thick. It can't just be like a puddle freezing over. Trust me, I, I've often thought to myself, you know, if I ever tried to get Twin Valley South and Tri-County North hockey, I would say, here, play in my yard. It's flooded and frozen. But no, that wouldn't work other than the gear, which hockey players need a lot. You need your helmet, you need your pads, you need a stick, and skates. And you need to be able to get those skates sharpened from time to time, because they will get dull. And sometimes sticks break, especially if you're buying the cheaper end of the wire. If you buy the really high-end stuff, you know, NHL sticks rarely break. I mean, they break, but you know. If you're buying like the cheaper material sticks, then they're going to break more often. You have that, and then you have to pay for using ice time at another place. If it wasn't like that, if schools had their own rink and everything, I don't know if I would be broadcasting hockey. I honestly don't. I'm still thankful for Nick Poe to get me this opportunity to broadcast a lot of local hockey, But if you think about it, I mean, you don't have your own ice anywhere, and there's no true simulation that you can get from ice. You have to, it has to be ice or else you're not going to get the same feeling. Now, of course, there's off-ice training, you know, you know, lifting weights, you know, stamina training what have you I get that but when you're on that ice it's a whole nother ball of wax you know you might have said that Talawanda owns the rink and no that's not true Miami University does although I'm sure there's a partnership between MU and Talawanda High School but what it is I'm not sure but it's still cool that Talawanda gets to play there I think this year Talawanda and Centerville play at the big Red Hawks rink. So, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Here's hoping that's true. But you get what I'm saying. I mean, it's harder because you don't get the same you don't get the same training on the surface that you play on compared to everything else. Basketball gym, you walk in, there's the court, you know, practice. Have fun. I mean, football, you can make the argument, if you don't have a turf practice field, then you go on turf. The field's a little bit different, which, yeah. But you, you still get the whole thing of, you know, I think turf's more slidey than grass. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong on that. I mean, baseball, it has to depend if the field's not covered in 15 inches of snow. I get that. And you take batting practice practice, inside most of the times not out there and I get that but what I'm saying is with hockey you know it's tough because you got to figure out when you can go practice for Centerville past few years it was like 5 a.m. go out practice and then go back get ready for school and there you go and actually some of the Elks like that you know you can get practice done out of the way then you can get ready for your academics which I never thought of it that way, but that's my thought. Would I love to see more high schools open up hockey programs? You betcha. Tell me something I don't know. I mean, I always thought that Miamisburg would be a nice school to be the third team in South Metro sports, which I don't know if that'll happen. That's just me wishful thinking. If it was up to me, every school would have hockey, but it's not up to me. I just broadcast games, and you watch them or you listen to them, whatever. That's my whole thing. I'm not trying to take away from any sport, but I tip my hat out to all the high school hockey athletes we have in the Sunday area because they play, they're good kids, and they play well. And I enjoy broadcasting these games. Which, by the way, this weekend, Centerville will be at St. X at Northland, which means I'll have to put on 10 layers before I can, you know, fill my fingers to call the game. It is the coldest rink, bar none. Mark Schlemmer keeps arguing with me that's hair arena, but no. But Northland, you're right on the ice. You don't have a lot of places to sit. And it just occurred to me that I'll have to set all the broadcasting gear up. So, yeah. But anyway, Centerville at x That's tomorrow. Uh, join me on the YouTube page of Centerville Elks Hockey. I'll share a link on my social media, of course. And you can watch it from there. And then I got Springboro games Saturday. And then on Sunday, Centerville will host Ann Arbor Pioneer. And that will be a 2 o'clock Sunday game. So, yeah, that's, that's a big test. Because, like I mentioned, in Ohio, it seems like the more north you go, the more facilities that you have ready. Like, there's some schools that have their own rink. But then running a rink itself is pretty costly. You know how much... It, is just to keep ice solid and not turn into big pool, it's probably a lot. I'm not looking at the energy bills, but it's probably a lot. Uh, There's a couple schools up north. Um, I I say this, and then I'm... I feel like... Was it Holy Name that has their own rink? There's a high school that does up north, but... With Michigan, you know, hockey's big. You had Hockey Town with the Red Wings, and now... Detroit's not looking like a great NHL team anymore. It's really sad to think about how far the Red Wings have tumbled. I mean, not if you're a fan of anyone else, but think about it. it was its strongest team throughout the mid-90s and until a couple years back, Detroit. They're, they had an iron fist in the NHL. Now it's a uh, paper fist, but... We'll see how that turns out. Anyway, yeah, I'll share the links to the broadcast you can watch on YouTube. And you can chat along. I probably won't see the live chat. In fact, there was live chat going on. And that second LaSalle Mason game, wow, it got... There was a lot of people chatting. And I feel bad, but it's just I'm trying to make sure the program's not saying, I can't push out the bandwidth. I can't stream. Please help. Did have a couple glitches with the capture card, but I think that's just capture card. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, wasn't that interesting? State of the rink. Also, there is something I want to share, and if I ever stop being obnoxious, I will. Centerville and Springboro for past few seasons have been part of Hockey for a Cause, which is organized by the Springboro High School hockey team and last few years has been elk and springboro one year i did it was padua franciscan versus springboro this year it's benefiting team suicide prevention programs at dayton children's hospital it's hockey for cause and it'll be saturday december 8th at 7 p.m hopefully i might have a podcast episode about that but if you don't have plans on the 8th come on out it's centerville and it's springboro Coming out and enjoy the time. As we now talk about hey, new coaches for the Reds. Yes. Completed yesterday, Wednesday night, four new hires, and a couple names that you probably already heard if you have followed either the Reds or the Dayton Dragons. Freddie Benavides, Delino de Shields, and now you got bullpen coach Lee Tunnell and Jeff Pickler, game planning and outfield coach. Slammer and I were talking about this this morning, like, game planning, isn't that manager? Well, yeah, but if you're talking like strategy and everything, I, I guess it makes sense. I mean, there's roles being opened up, so, you know, not so much as on the manager. I get that, but. Now, earlier in the season, the Reds hired Derek Johnson as the pitching coach from Milwaukee. From the Dodgers, Turner Ward as the hitting coach. Donnie Ecker is your assistant hitting coach. And J.R. House is your third base coach and catching coach. So, no more Billy Hatcher on the baselines, it looks like. Billy Hatcher stays in with the Reds. He is now a minor league outfield and base running coordinator. He's been part of the Reds staff for the last 13 seasons. So this coaching staff looks promising for the Reds, but you don't win via coaching staffs. You win with wins, which I feel like is obvious. But with these new hires, I feel like it's a breath of fresh air, and I feel like the Reds have went outside the box for this. The David Bell hire, I know there was a lot of people questioning it, but seems like it's working pretty well. But we'll see when April rolls around. So Benavides... He was the first manager for the Dayton Dragons. He interviewed for the managerial job on the final road trip of the season. He was the first base coach for the Reds last three seasons. Joined in 2014 with the Major League team as an infield coach. Played for the Reds for 98 games in 91 and 92. And then worked in the minor league system for 15 years, including the first manager with the Dayton Dragons in 2000. Major comfort level, Bell's mentioning, this article's from Cincinnati.com. Great, great experiences in the game. Ton of experience, both in player development and now at the major league level. Delano De Shields. he was the manager of the Louisville Bats a few years back. He's part of the minor league system from 2010-2017. Spent last year as the organization's roving bunt and base running instructor. Brings a real edge to base running, Bell said. The Shields played with the Cardinals in 97. Big, passionate base runner. Great teacher. Also involved in butting, which is something that, you know, the system kind of needs. Authentic as they get. Lee Tunnel worked with Johnson, part of the Brewers coaching staff, but it was not renewed following last season. He spent 10 years with the Brewers, including... Last six as the Brewers bullpen coach. And Pickler was the Twins coordinator of Major League Development for the last two years, where he worked with outfielders and advised coaches and players on game prep. And looks like he'll have about the same role with Cincinnati. Although Pickler had an offer to become a senior advisor in the Twins front office, but Pickler wanted to stay on the field and therefore work with Bell, and took the Cincinnati Reds job Uh, Jim Riggleman is now the bench coach of the New York Mets Billy Price has yet to Brian Price excuse me Billy Price is the center for the Bengals now I get those two mixed up which I shouldn't because Price is a bigger gentleman than Brian was Brian Price the former skipper of the Reds and one time pitching coach is looking at uh, pitching roles One team, the Chicago Cubs. So, interesting. Also, the bullpen coach was previously Julio Rangel. Rangel, And apparently he got picked up as the Texas Rangers pitching coach. Jared Sandberg passed on an offer to become the Reds bench coach to join his hometown Mariners in Seattle as a Major League Field coordinator. And, of course, the nephew of Ryan Sandberg. So, a little interesting tidbits. Again, Cincinnati.com, the Cincinnati Enquirer, if you read the paper. And if you read on the internet, it's Cincinnati.com, like I previously mentioned. Again, coaches look great, but you don't win all the games with coaches. You win with coaches and players. We'll see what 2019 brings I'm still waiting on the big off-season signings that Cincinnati will do. So, Fight Night 2019 is coming up. If you remember episode 25 of this podcast, I interviewed Leo DeLuca. and We talked about last year's Fight Night. It's happening February 23rd, a Saturday, 2019, at the historic Memorial Hall. And if you're interested in fighting... You go to DaytonFightNight.com slash become-a-fighter. hyphen hyphen Go to DaytonFightNight.com and you can fill out the form if you're interested in becoming a fighter. Go on the page. You can see the fighters from last year. Really, really cool event that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't. And these fighters are being sponsored by other companies out there, I see Ilsa's Mexican Restaurants and Sports Bars, which they did a nice job opening up the cantina in that Sugar Creek Plaza, I forget what it's called, probably just Sugar Creek Plaza, let's be honest, again, DaytonFightNight.com, the venue is happening late February 2019, and Memorial Hall is on 125 East 1st Street, Dayton, Ohio, I know some people that have worked with that. It's a pretty cool event. So definitely, if you're interested in fighting, go out and do it. Or if you're interested in helping out, there's a link to say, hey, I would like to help out. Man, that'd be pretty cool announcing that gig. Announced boxing. Just thinking about, you know, always expanding, always getting my resume, you know, as well-rounded as I can. I like to think I'm a fairly well-rounded individual. And I think I just called myself fat there. But in terms of experience, I've covered a lot of sports. And speaking of a lot of sports, you know how boys' basketball season's around the corner? Well, there's no tip-off tournament like the Twin Valley South tip-off tournament. Still haven't fully decided how I'm doing boys' basketball scores and girls' basketball scores. I might just keep it to college because that's going to be a lot of scores right off the bat. In high school, then you just hear me talk and talk and talk, and I I don't think people want to hear that. But let's go to Twin Valley South tip-off tournament. It's this weekend, and this article is from RegisterHerald.com, written by my cousin Eddie Mallon Jr. And this is in West Alexandria, Twin Valley South, in case you're one of the... Four schools participating, it's West Alexandria, north end of town off five oh three. If you're if you've never been, it's it's a nice gymnasium. It's I was gonna say only twenty years old, but that would be three years ago. So twenty three years old, I guess, opened in ninety five. And I've broadcasted a time or two from the Panthers Peak, which is a long, long climb down and up with gear. Luckily, I only had audio gear. Thank goodness for that. Anyway, the 7th Annual Tip-Off Tournament. It's sponsored by Wings Etc., which is that Wings restaurant eating that took over Peking Garden a long, long time ago. Now I'm sharing my... <laughs> sharing what used to be there as a child. Sorry. It'll be Friday, November 3rd, Saturday, December 1st for Varsity, and JV will play that Saturday the 1st and Monday the 3rd. So, Friday, you got two varsity-only games. First up at 6, it'll be National Trail taking on Eaton in the Battle of U.S. Route 35. And another U.S. Route 35 battle, this time Twin Valley South squares up with Dixie. That second game set to begin at 7.30. Depending on who wins, they'll play for the championship Saturday night. And the consolation varsity game will be 4 o'clock. That'll be 5.30 championship game, 4 o'clock and JV consolation and Championships will be Monday, December 3rd at 6-7-15. Last season, National Trail defeated Twin Valley South 55-48 for the title. Eaton took down Dixie for third place in the first round. South beat the Eagles 55-43, and National Trail took care of Dixie 77-53. I'm from West Alex, and I think this tournament is great. It used to be take out National Trail and put in Stivers. Stivers' squad always brought a nice battle in, especially a few years south, and Stivers played for the championship. I remember calling those games on GCSN, and it was a lot of fun. It was really, really a lot of fun. And this year, you have three Preble County teams, one that is just by Preble County and Dixie, I was about to say four, but it's like, oh, yeah, New Lebanon's technically not Preble County, even though it's fairly close to West Alex. Four schools very close to each other. I think Twin Valley South has a nice thing going. It's in its seventh year. It's hard to believe that seven years back the amount of games was pushed up from 20 to 22. Therefore, South was like, hey, let's have a tip-off tournament to get the season underway right. And I, I dig it. South has won it, they won it the first year. I think the second year was the first time I called that game. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't remember. I know South has won it, National Trail won it last year. CCC this year, of all the articles I'm reading, especially from the Daily Advocate and the Registered Herald, it's going to be pretty open, CCC, and Twin Valley South, Tri-County North, and National Trail, they might they might be in the running for tops, which would be pretty cool. I mean, that's someone from Preble County. But like I said, tip-off tournament, West Alex, starting tomorrow. Can't believe it's already boys basketball season. Time really flies. Again, article written by Eddie Mowen Jr. on registerherald.com. And almost done with episode 73. Again, thank you for not minding the fact that it's Thursday and it's out. I know I need to do better, keep it in Monday, but things happen, life happens, and there you go. I do want to talk about one thing, and there are a lot of people to thank. Uh, Mark Schlemmer wrote a very nice... Peace on me on his Facebook page you can go friend him or follow him on Facebook Mark Schlemmer and he mentioned that I reached broadcast 1000 and I did the second game of the frozen Creek tournament I think there was a podcast episode where I thought it was Beaver Creek and LaSalle going to be number 1000 but it turned out no it wasn't I did one extra game and that kind of bumped it up a little bit but Mark Schlemmer writes sometimes people fly right under the radar if I fly right under them. don't believe I blip in the local media market, but that's another issue for another time. With very little notice, and our friend Lee W. Mallon, hey, that's me, fits the bill. The other night, Lee broadcasted his 1,000th game in the Dayton area. This one was a high school hockey game, but he has also done high school and college soccer, football, volleyball, softball, baseball, and a few other sports along the way. He also posts podcasts about once a week, covering a... Number of sports topics Usually his broadcasts are heard over the internet But you may have also heard him doing the PA job At many games as well Since 2006, Lee has continued to follow His passion and his dream Doing games and giving the local schools And athletes some coverage From Justin Kinner and I, here's a tip of the hat For a job well done First up, thanks Mark, I do appreciate that And I told him thank you as well But, yeah Broadcast 1000 Currently I'm sitting at 10:10. 220. No. Currently, I have 1,000 broadcasts in 10. And that's going to keep growing up as hockey season rolls on. Which, hey, that's fine. It's a really special game for me. That was the game that Lexington tied Clay 1-1. Remember how I said Clay won the Frozen Creek title? And their last two games before a championship, they scored uh, 21 goals. Lexington held them to one late in the third. They got the tying goal, and that was it. So yeah, that game was good. <laughs> that game was really great. Lexington, they had nine skaters, plus the goalie, including the goalie, so that'd be nine. Uh, Yeah, Lexington handled that team quite well, and I was quite surprised. But yeah, that was my thousandth game. It was just like any other game. You know, I'm broadcasting, I do my job, I give my compliments, say what's happening, you know, get kids' names right, of course. I can't believe I reached 1,000. I still can't believe it. I'm still kind of in shock that, wow, I've been broadcasting for a while. Now I think about it, I mean, starting in 2006, following a childhood dream that, hey, I'm going to be next Jim Baldridge, which, you know, he didn't do casting. At least I don't think he did. He was a news anchor on Channel 7. But still, getting that pinnacle no matter what happens no one can ever take that away from me so thanks to all the nice people that chimed in loved it liked it you know i appreciate it 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 feels it feels good to be recognized i try not to say hey look at me pay attention to me type of thing but 1000 broadcasts that's pretty cool that's really cool and i'm proud of myself for reaching that plateau so that's all I got to say on that and that's all I got for episode 73 again sorry that it's taken this long good luck to all the teams battling for state titles that'll be next week's episode we'll start off with who are state title winners and then we'll think about what else to talk about hopefully we'll get uh, interviews piping through there's already a couple people I send emails to we'll see if they're interested and we'll keep on rolling This has been episode 73 on the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Again, follow along on social media. I'm on Twitter the most, at Twitter, at the Lee W. Mallon, and my podcast is at Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter. The whole thing wouldn't fit on Twitter, you see, so I had to cut it back a little bit. Episode 73 in the books. Talk to you for episode 74. This has been another installment of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at The Lee W. Mowen, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit the slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.